On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Monday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And it blows my mind. It blows my mind that we have had a baseball season here in town that, in many ways, has been the ultimate roller coaster. And I just said this to Saruti. Moments ago, before we signed on, it felt like for the first half of this year, for those of you who are loyal New York, New York followers, you know exactly where I'm going. How many times did I come on the air basically wondering, how low can the Yankees go? How bad can it get? Is this rock bottom? I felt like I said it over and over and over again, where I felt like I was beating a dead horse. But it was obviously the case. Now in the second half of the season, it's it's the exact same theme and the exact same tone, except it's the New York Mets who are in this how low can it go? How bad can it get predicament? Well, in what was a series in which you were playing for first place, you were trying to hold on to first place, and you came in reeling. The Mets went to Philadelphia, fell flat on their face, and got whooped, got embarrassed, got punked. Whatever adjective you want to throw in there, you can throw in there with the way they played over the course of this weekend. They get swept. They lose three games in the process. And where to begin? Here's where we're going to begin. We can talk about Rojas. We can talk about Alderson. We could talk about the fact that you don't have the Grom and that you don't have Lindor and things are going against the Mets. The Mets all damn year have not hit. They haven't scored runs. 
They haven't done so consistently. They did nothing on offense on Friday, leaving a ton of runners on base. Saturday, in a bullpen game for the Phillies, they're getting shut out for eight innings. They hit back-to-back-to-back home runs. Whoop-de-doo when you're down 5-0 in the game. And then when you have a chance to tie it or take the lead, Alonzo and J.D. Davis strike out to Ian Kennedy. Not good enough. Then Sunday, the most predictable and obvious script played out working against the Mets. The former Met, my dude, the guy I wanted the Mets to keep, Met fans at my own gig. JJ, how dare you? How dare you say that Zach Wheeler is better than Noah Syndergaard? JJ, how dare you? How dare you say that Zach Wheeler is better than Marcus Stroman? Well, guess what? Zach Wheeler is the front runner for the Cy Young Award this year. Who's laughing now? Anybody who knows anything about the Mets or Wheeler and the way he's pitched this year, you knew he was shutting this lineup down. After giving up the first inning double to Brandon Nimmo, which basically was the best scoring chance the Mets had in this entire damn ballgame. Wheeler gets out of it. Nimmo doesn't even move to third base and then goes and retires 22 in a row. You talk about making your case to be the Cy Young Award winner. Wheeler flexing all over the Mets on a day in which the Phillies are honoring the late great Roy Halladay. He throws a two-hit shutout and actually feel for Walker. He gives up a couple of home runs in the first inning, but then he settled in and gave the Mets a chance to win. But you don't have much of a chance to win when you can't score. That's where the Mets' problems are front and center. They don't hit. This is an offense that last year, now they weren't particularly good. They lost a lot of games. They had no business losing. Pitching problems, not getting a big hit, bullpen, whatever. But their offensive numbers were really, really good. Their numbers offensively are on par, basically, with the Pittsburgh freaking Pirates. That's all you need to know. That's how you flush a comfortable, considerable lean the division down the toilet by the month of August. That's how you do it. You don't score. Look up and down this lineup. Alonzo's gone ice cold. Ice cold. Conforto. He's basically right around the Mendoza line. McNeil has not been the same player. Nimmo, even though he had a couple of hits today, not as good as he was earlier in the year. McCann, no great shakes. They're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. They're not hitting fastballs. Simple as that. How do you expect to win when you're not scoring runs? Now, I know a lot of people are going to hear Rojas and they're going to hear Alonzo after the game and Pete trying to give you the positive attitude is going to rub people the wrong way. Rojas basically begging for fan support when they come back to play the Washington Nationals is going to rub people the wrong way. Guy like Alonzo, what do you want him to say? The manager, on the other hand, I, you know what you got to say? Listen, we stick right now. I understand why the fans are frustrated. Begging for fan support is going to do you absolutely no favors because the fans are going to say, screw you. You stink. You're awful. We're paying good money for these tickets. You just flushed the massive lead right down the drain. We're going to let you hear about it. Right now, everything is rotten for the Mets. 
Now, before I proclaim that the season is over on August the 8th, which I think many of you want me to do, I think a lot of people are expecting me to come on and say, well, the Mets are cooked, all these games with the Giants, all these games with the Dodgers. And on the surface, yeah, those games are going to be brutal. And if the Mets continue to play like this, they don't have a prayer. This division is still the gift that keeps on giving. They got 10, 11 games with the Nationals. They got a bunch more games with the Marlins. That can sucker you back immediately. And if this season has taught us anything from a Yankee and a Mets standpoint and a Red Sox standpoint, these narratives change on a dime. Right now, it's as bad as it gets for the Mets. Yeah. If you're putting money down, you wouldn't be overly confident in the idea that they're going to win the division right here and right now. But things can change. The point being is this. They had better change fast. You need to go and sweep the Nationals this week. You need to hold your own against the Giants and the Dodgers. Because instead of playing from ahead, you're now the team that's chasing. Now, all of a sudden, you got to win every night just to make sure that you're not losing ground. It's crazy. It is insane to think about the fact the Mets are like minus 350, minus 450 to win their division as of like a month ago, two weeks ago on FanDuel Sportsbook. Anybody who laid those odds is sick to their stomach right about now. And how about Diaz on Friday night? How embarrassing was it? Diaz pointing up in the sky when Bryce Harper is basically hitting a moonshot 440 feet. Edwin, I don't want to hear about safe situations. Get a couple outs. Pitch like absolute crap. I expect most of the Mets fans to proclaim this season over. I know that's what you guys expect me to say. And right now, they look like crap. Long way to go. 2021 baseball season has told us point blank. Long, long way to go. Now, Yankee standpoint. This should have been a real feel-good weekend for the Yankees. They did exactly what they needed to do against the Mariners. They won three out of four games. They had a great win on Friday night down at their last out. Stanton gets the game-tying hit. Gordy gets the walk-off hit. Saturday, they're down. They rally back. They take advantage of Seattle mistakes. Heaney settles down and gives you a really good start. Forget about the fact that the Yankees lost on Sunday, which you don't feel great about. Luis Gill was terrific yet again. The Yankee bats did absolutely nothing. They squandered a few opportunities. Litke doesn't get the job done late. The reason I don't have this rah-rah, pound-the-chest type of feeling from the Yankee standpoint today is because of the news you got early in the day combined with the news that you got late in the day. The news early in the day is that Anthony Rizzo, our new favorite son from a Yankee standpoint, tested positive for COVID-19. The hits just keep on coming for the Yankees. I mean, aside from the Milwaukee Brewers, find me a team that's been impacted by COVID more than the Yankees over the last three weeks. I mean, it is insane. Every other day I look, there's somebody on the COVID list. If I were to give you the COVID list right about now, that'd be a hell of a team. With the rotation, the injuries, whatever. Be a hell of a team. So now I got to figure Rizzo's going to be out all this week and he's probably going to miss the Red Sox series the following week. Not ideal. Yeah, they get Luke Voigt back. What the freaking do? Who cares? What, Luke Voigt and his awful defense? 
Luke Voigt and his all-or-nothing approach on offense, I'm not exactly jumping for joy that Luke Voigt's back for the Yankees. And the minute Rizzo comes back, his ass could go right back to the bench. Because I'd rather Ruggie Odor play. The problem is, Ruggie Odor is going to be playing a ton anyway because you get the news regarding Gleyber Torres, who has been much better since the second half has started. He's now going for an MRI on his thumb, and Aaron Boone seemed pretty concerned after the game. That, Chapman on the IL, shoulder issue, waiting on other guys to come back from COVID. It's one of those instances where you wonder, how much adversity from an injury and a COVID standpoint can one team possibly overcome? They were great last week. They did exactly what they needed to do against a bad team and a mediocre team. They had a five and two homestand. They need some reinforcements back. And to lose Rizzo, you're going to realize how much you miss him. You're going to realize how much you miss him in the lineup. And you're going to realize how much you miss his glove when you're watching Void basically trip over his own feet, which is going to happen. So now the Yankees have three with the Royals. Minimum got to get two. You'd like to get three. And then they got that Field of Dreams game on Thursday, which, by the way, I'm a little upset. Poor planning on my part. We should have been out there doing a show for the Field of Dreams game. I missed the boat on that. Now, it might have been very elite. I don't even know if they let Nita, aside from the Fox people, go. But, like, not that I'm dying to go to Iowa, but I feel like me walking through the cornfields like um, Shoeless Joe Jackson or Moonlight Graham would have been pretty badass. So I'm upset we're not going Thursday. The next time the Yankees do the Field of Dreams with those badass uniforms, I'm in. We'll be there. Guaranteed. You can take that to the bank. But after the Royals, three Chicago and then three enormous games against the reeling Boston Red Sox, who I'm telling you are starting to look like and play like the first half Yankees. I saw them run the bases like absolute fools Saturday in a game they survived to win. They're having bullpen meltdowns. They're not hitting the way that they were. They have regressed. They were playing so over their heads over the first three and a half months to the point where I am just as, if not more concerned about the Blue Jays than I am the Red Sox. And I know the Yankees are still chasing the Red Sox at this point in time. Toronto scares me. That lineup, Barrios at the top of that rotation, their run differential, it does not lie, folks. More often than not, run differential does not lie in judging engaging teams over the course of a year. And look at the Blue Jays' run differential. I think it's fourth in all Major League Baseball. I think it's second in the American League. They can play. And they're going to be a threat here in this playoff race. The way I see the American League shaking out, Tampa's going to win this division. And I think it's four teams for two spots. Boston, Toronto, Oakland, and the Yankees. The Yankees have a season. They're alive and well. Every game is so crucial. It's going to be heart attack city watching these games from a local baseball standpoint because it's no longer, oh, we lose, no big deal. Get them tomorrow. For the Mets, can't have that attitude. For the Yankees, can't have that attitude. It's too tight. It's too hotly contested. Makes my job easy because we're going to have a bullet to talk about throughout August and September. But might need a few bourbons to watch a few of these games. Just saying. Just saying. We got a loaded show. I'm sure the voicemails are not going to be particularly positive from a Mets standpoint. I, I think that's a safe bet. I, I, I would say negative voicemails 
minus 50,000 that we'll have a few of those. So we'll get it going with voicemails. Our good buddy Jacko is actually going to be in good spirits. I hope when it comes to the Yankees, we'll welcome him in. And we'll have our countdown that we were talking about. The top 15 New York athletes. I'll explain the criteria that I'm using to judge. We're going to do 15 through 11 today. And then Tuesday and then Thursday. And we'll wrap this bad boy up at the end of the week. But I expect some rowdiness. Voicemails are up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment. So it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, folks, voicemail time. And in case you're trying to figure out how to do this, and you really shouldn't be, it's very simple, but we like to be nice. We like to help the people out. 917 382 1151. That's how you leave a voicemail for New York, New York. We had a ton of fun with our Spotify green room on Saturday right after the Met game. Uh, I'm going to figure out when we're going to do another one this week. That's kind of up in the air. TBD, as we like to say. It's probably going to be Saturday. I like doing them on Saturday. It's just very easy in many ways because you have the night baseball, you have a cocktail, and away you go. But if you want to leave a voicemail, it's 917 382 one one five one. All right, let's hit him and let's hit him in a big way. Let's lead it off. What do we got? Hey, it's Brian up in Syracuse. Um, you know, I really, I don't get what Luis Rojas is doing. Fans should be supporting the guys after you just blow the entire division lead to the Phillies. I mean, that's just a pathetic thing to say. Alonzo too. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan. And we criticize Boone all the time for kind of wimpy post-game comments. He hasn't said anything that pathetic. Even though I enjoy the suffering of Mets fans, they have every right to be giving that team crap. I mean, you blow a lead like that in the worst division in baseball. You're spending all this money, trading away all these top prospects. Fans have a right to be angry. This is like pathetic, sappy, crappy 21st century bullshit. And uh, I just think that it says a lot about the state of the Mets right now. Love the show, JJ. Take care. Appreciate the call. Look, I've learned from doing this for a long period of time. When things are going bad and when you're losing, no matter what you may hear, it's not going to comfort you. It's not going to make you feel better. But there are things that you hear that can actually make you feel worse. I think Pete Alonso is a positive person. I think he's a guy that doesn't want it to appear that, you know, the team is panicking, that the sky is falling. But you hear him after the game, oh, we're having good rips, we're having good swings. Uh, Pete, I love you, buddy. What in God's name are you talking about? Look at the way the Mets have swung the bats all season long. See, that's the thing. This is not a team that has been slumping just in the second half of the year offensively. They have been awful on offense all year. 
They were winning games earlier in the year. They pitched extremely well. They had some fortuitous breaks. They won some very close games. And their bullpen, for the most part, did a good job. They haven't hit at all. Go through the lineup. Who is performing to the back of their baseball card? Alonzo has this year. Not as good as he was in 2019, but he's going to have a solid year. Nimmo, even though he's been slumping the last few weeks, he's having a good year. I'll give him credit for that. McNeil hasn't been as good. Lindor, when he was on the field, stunk. Dom Smith, not as good as he was last year. Conforto, embarrassing. McCann, not good. They had to basically squeeze out a little bit out of the Pilars and the Perazes and the Drury's and the McKinney's of the world to win earlier in the year. You could understand why the offense was scuffling then. You don't have your guys. The Mets have their team outside of Lindor offensively. They have their team. You can't be this bad on offense. You're playing at Citizens Bank Park. You think you're going to win games like that? No chance. That's why when they lost Friday and they lost on Saturday, and I actually was dumb enough to like them on Saturday, I knew point blank. I said, give me the Philly run line, please. Thank you. Free money. Because Zach Wheeler was not losing this game. With the winning Mets and swinging the bats and with the way Wheeler's throwing, that is a, that's a recipe for disaster. But no matter what you heard from Alonzo, it was going to make you feel good. His comments probably made you feel worse. Probably. Who's next? Hey, JJ, this is uh, George from uh, Chicago, transplant from uh, New York. And uh, just finished watching that uh, Mets game tonight, and I can't fucking believe this team. We do not have one fucking 300 hitter on this lineup. Not one. Oh, yeah, Jacob deGrom. That's the only guy who can fucking hit 300 on this goddamn team. Nimmo, Alonzo. Davis, all Ophers. What a sorry excuse for a lineup. And Conforto, he wants a major deal. Before this season even fucking started, he wanted a bigger deal than Springer. This guy is fucking garbage. Fucking trash. What's his gonna, excuse gonna be? Huh? He's got Boris as, as his agent. What, what's he gonna say? Unbelievable. I, this team, Man, we're going to get demolished by the Dodgers and the Giants coming up. This is just, oh, just terrible. Anyways, uh, keep up the good work, JJ. Well, I feel your pain, buddy. And listen, the Mets are not alone with the lack of 300 hitters in the lineup. You can say the exact same thing about the Yankees. But the lack of production, the lack of power, it is eye-opening. For a team that I thought was going to be one of the better offensive teams in the entire National League, they're one of the worst offensive teams in all the National League. And yeah, there are moves that were not made in the offseason that are very easy to second guess, like not bringing in George Springer. I know he missed a ton of time. Springer would have helped this team enormously. And who would you rather have over the next four to five years? And don't even begin to try to make the argument to me that you'd rather have Michael Conforto on this team than George Springer, because that's insulting. It's insulting to Springer, who has come back and has played like a man possessed for the Blue Jays. He misses time, but he's a stud. Conforto is hitting 200. A lot of people thought Conforto had found it after a career 2020 season. 60 games. And it goes one of two ways with the contract, where 
you can embrace the idea that you're in a walk here and go and get it and get paid and be able to dance and dance the night away and make a boatload of money or you put too much pressure on yourself. Conforto strikes me as one of those guys that has put entirely too much pressure on himself knowing what's staring him in the face. And if I'm the Mets, why am I giving him the qualifying offer next year? It's 17 or $18 million. I'll pass on that. I will go and spend that money elsewhere. The Lindor move, year one, has been an enormous flop. Conforto and double down on his services has not looked good. And at the deadline, did the Mets go to the extreme that maybe some fans wanted to see? The answer is no. Bryant would have been a better fit on this team than Baez. Baez filled the need. But this is more about the guys who are here to me than it is the trade deadline. The guys who are here are not performing. They're not up to the standard I thought they would be at going into the year. And even going in the second half. And that's how you see this league go, bye, bye, bye. Crazy. For it to turn as drastically as it has for the Mets and the Red Sox, specifically in each instance, is just mind-blowing. What's more surprising? I think my answer is going to surprise a lot of people. I think it's the Mets because of the division that they're in. The Red Sox, the Red Sox had a win total in the low 80s in Vegas going to the start of the year. Now, I know Cora is worth a bunch of games and he got them playing this inspired brand of baseball, but you had to figure at some point the regression was coming. With the Mets, the Mets were expected to be a 91 team this year. And I know no DeGrom and no Lindor. That's not, that's not an excuse. To be this bad, to play the way you play in Philadelphia, I don't want to hear about that. I'm sorry. I, I just don't. Who's next? JJ, my friend. How are you? Alex in Newark. Philly win. Brave win. Met lose. In the words of Ice Cube, today it was a good day. Do da, do da. And now we're not talking about first place, Matt. We're not talking about second place, Matt. We are now officially talking in one of the worst division in baseball, historically bad division, a third place, Matt. Now I will say one thing. The, uh, the schedule, if you take a look, obviously, listen, the Met, and you, I'm just talking through August. They're all littered with tough teams. The Mets have some easy ones. The Nationals coming up, then they get the West Coast, the Dodger, the Pod, uh, the Padre, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or no, the Phillies have the Padre. But they all have similar teams. The team I'm looking at is the Braves. They have nine versus the National, the Marlin, and the Oriole. They have the pedigree. I don't care who's in, who's out. Oh, baby. Lock me down. I don't care, JJ, because I'll sit and I'll watch Met baseball. Hold those playoff tickets. Woo! Now, one thing I will say on the Yankees, my friend, you know, you got computer Chris there and taking joy in the Red Sox misery. Hold on a second. The last time I looked at the standings, the Yankees were out of the playoffs and the Red Sox were in. So can we just relax with this, oh, Red Sox misery and everything? And listen, maybe I'm overreacting. It's one game, three out of four, you'll sign every day of the week. But not having Rizzo in that lineup, you see the balance, forget the productivity, but the balance factor. That lineup just didn't look nearly as balanced with him batting second and Rizzo a little lower, righty, lefty, et cetera, et cetera. To me, it just looked, based on what we've seen with Rizzo and with Gallo in the lineup, it looked a little out of whack. So what I'll say to the computer Chris in the world, relax. Don't put dirt on the Red Sox grave yet. Currently, they're in the playoffs, and we're not. 
God bless you, JJ. Alex and Newark coming out hot, and he brings up a good nugget there with the Braves. Nine with the Nationals, nine with the Marlins and the Orioles. That's advantageous. And the Braves, to their credit, even with the loss of Acuna, they go and improve their team. Solaire, Peterson, they did not punt when they could have punted on the year. Yeah, they are very much alive and well to win this division. Three-team race. And the Mets, yeah, you better beat up on the Nationals and the Marlins if you're going to go and make the postseason. Because these other teams, who can do the best job of that might be the difference. And you got to kind of hold serve against the Dodgers and the Giants and not embarrass yourself. From a Yankees standpoint, look, the Red Sox have regressed. You're giddy about the fact that they have come back to the pack, but you're not pounding your chest if you're the Yankees, okay? The idea that you're pounding your chest if you're the Yankees, where you're at, be careful. You feel better about things. You have a pulse. You're alive and well, and you're enjoying some futility out of the Red Sox. You got them in a week and a half, and Alex brings up a fair point. This lineup without Rizzo is not as dangerous. I don't care if Luke Voigt is back. I'm sorry. It's not the same. Anybody who would rather have Luke Voigt over Anthony Rizzo at first base is an absolute fool in more ways than one because of what Rizzo provides this team. They're going to miss him, and hopefully he'll get well soon. Who's next? Day Day. Liam from New Jersey. Just walked out of Citizens Bank Park. Saw the pathetic Mets get swept by the fucking Phillies. What does this team have to do? I, I don't know. Alonzo looks lost. I think the cat's out of the bag on him. He can't hit the high fastball at all. Nimbo's the only one that doesn't swing at the first pitch and actually gets on base. Javi Baez hurts, hurts his hip swinging on a ball in the dirt. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm Frankly, I'm depressed and sad. All right. Love the pod. Thanks, man. Liam, I understand that depression. You made the trip down I-95. You probably sat in a boatload of traffic heading back. Shore traffic, Sunday traffic, Philly traffic, and your team gives you that effort. There is nothing worse than making a road trip for your team and seeing your team basically piss the night away or piss the day away. I guess the only silver lining for you, hopefully, is that you weren't out of all three games. That's kind of the way I felt when I went to Boston a few weeks ago. I was like, all right, as bad as it was Thursday and Friday, at least I wasn't there on Sunday. You search for those small positives whenever you can find them. And right now, offensively with the Mets, I can't find anything. I can't. From a pitching standpoint, Walker, I actually think, made a step in the right direction. You need a lot more starts like that from Walker moving forward. The Mets can't have Walker pitching with 6 ERA over the final two months of this year. Can't afford it. So I hope that is a building block start for him. But all year, they haven't scored runs. I know it's tiresome. I know you're probably sick of the narrative, but you want to wonder why this has happened with the Mets. The biggest culprit more than anything is the lack of offense. You've got to be able to score runs. They're not doing it. And the Phillies, on the other hand, they're scoring runs. They're hitting a lot better than the Mets, and they're playing with a lot more confidence than the Mets. Up and down the clubhouse, the Phillies got an extra pep in their step. And that's what happens when you start winning games. Phillies have found it. The Mets, on the other hand, they're searching. Searching is putting it nicely, if we're being honest. Who's next? Hey, John. It's Jake from Charlotte again. Hey. Um, so I actually wanted to, instead of talking about the Mets, um, so go play in traffic and try to get hit. But uh, as the Mets usually do, they probably won't get hit. Anyways, um, I want to talk about Joe Girardi and the Phillies. Um, 
ever since the All-Star break, he's done a really good job with this team. They're on an eight-game winning streak now. And um, I guess my question is, from a distance, do you think Yankee fans are kind of um, happy uh, seeing Joe Girardi have success? Um, I mean, you know what? Honestly, he was a pretty good manager for the Yankees. Um, I'm just wondering, do you think uh, Yankee fans and you think yourself, you guys are, are you happy um, with Joe Girardi? I mean, are you, are you proud? Um, are you glad to see him have success? Just, uh, yeah, wanted to get your opinion on that. A little uh, different take, but yeah, uh, let me know, man. Thanks. Bye. Appreciate that, Jake. I have nothing but good things to say about Joe Girardi. And it's funny, I actually did a spot down in Philadelphia on Friday. And the folks I was on with, they couldn't stand Girardi as a manager. And I'm like, really? Because I loved him when he managed the Yankees. He got more out of those 2013, 2014, 2015 teams than many other managers would have been able to know. He won a World Series in 2009. The last year he managed the team, he took the Yankees to Game 7 of the ALCS. He's a better manager than Aaron Boone as far as I'm concerned. So I have no problem if Joe Girardi has success. The Yankees didn't bring him back. He and Brian Cashman were no longer on the same page for whatever the reason. Brian Cashman calls the shots. Brian Cashman wanted his guy. Girardi was going to be out. Some around the organization have told me that even if the Yankees made it to the World Series in 17, and even if they won the World Series in 17, they would have had a different manager. I mean, I think that's crazy to think about. Could you imagine the Yankees win the World Series in 17 and Joe Girardi wouldn't be managing the team? Like, that's just like absurd, but I've heard that in a few places. They were ready to make a change. Because I'm not in love with their current manager. I'm going to give the current manager credit for this, though. He's turned his season around. He has. And he's pushed a couple of the right buttons recently. So the mandate remains the same for me with Aaron Boone. Get to the World Series. ALCS, I'm 50-50 on whether or not I extend them. They lose in the division series or in the wildcard game. I I am not advocating that the Yankees bring back this manager. And I think it would be a mistake, quite frankly to bring back this manager. But yeah, sometimes the results, when you're in a contract here, they tell the story. So I'm happy for Girardi. To answer your question, I have no problem as a Yankee fan if Joe Girardi does well with the Phillies. Good Yankee player, good Yankee manager, no ill will at all. Who's up next? John, Justin in Miami. I know all all us Yankee fans are optimistic, but this is total fool's gold. This team still can't score any runs. Every Mariner game this weekend, what do we have? Zero, one run after six, seven innings? Every starting pitcher goes six innings, one run. You can't score three or four runs consistently and think you're going anywhere. The lineup still is terrible. Brett Gardner, you would think this is Derek Jeter appreciation year. How is this guy playing every day? It's unbelievable. We're literally running out a 200 hitter out there. You got to get an improvement. The idea he's playing over Allen, it really kind of makes you wonder what the priorities of this team are right now. And yesterday he comes up, big at bat, two men on, strikes out. I like Gardner, but he's three years past his prime. You can't be giving this guy every day at bat. Love to hear your take. Bye. Brett Gardner is no longer an everyday player. Now, Brett Gardner had a big moment on Friday night. I was very happy to see him go and come through and win the game. Might be his last walk-off hit as a Yankee. I don't want him playing every day. And the minute Allen comes back, I think Allen should be getting some of that playing time. Now, some are going to wonder, when everybody's back for the Yankees, should they go in an outfield of Gallo, Judge, and Stanton and therefore allow either Luke Voigt or Ruggio Dorr to have an opportunity to play? I think in a right matchup, that's okay. But I like the idea of having an athletic center fielder. Like the idea of Greg Allen coming back and playing is appealing to me. 
because he kind of provides a different dynamic. Now, you're not wrong. The Yankee offense did not do much over the weekend, did not do much last weekend against Miami, but they're finding ways to win. Yankees got hit the ball out of the ballpark. Sometimes it's as simple as that. They got guys who should be tailor-made to hit the ball out of the stadium. Need to see a lot more of that over the next six weeks. And after Kansas City over the next three, schedule's going to get a lot tougher. It gets tougher, it gets easier, and then it gets tougher again. You're going to learn a lot more about this team. But they have a pulse, and they're alive and well, and they're playing games that matter. You would have signed for that a month ago. Last but not least, Saruti, who's on the horn. What's up, JJ? James, normally calling you from Charlotte, North Carolina. This time, calling you from the coast of South Carolina. Played a bunch of golf at the beach, man, having a great time. Had to call in about the Yanks, so give credit where credit is due. Cashman came through at the deadline. The lefty bats were already paying dividends. While I'm not convinced, and as you know, I've ripped this team sideways and Cashman and Boone on this podcast multiple times. I'm not convinced Convinced Boone is the man to take us to the promised land. I'm not convinced this lineup is still where it needs to be, and I'm certainly not convinced our starting pitching is where it needs to be. I am encouraged by what I'm seeing. I'm giving Cashman and Howe credit for not sitting on their hands and doing something um, that's productive for the team. I will say the goal was never for a wild card. We need to get the division. That needs to be the goal, and obviously the ultimate goal is the World Series. So while I'm not 100% happy with what's going on, I'm cautiously optimistic it's trending in the right direction, and I'm giving credit where credit's due. Let's see how the season plays out from here. Yeah, I'm not buying the idea that the Yankees can win this division. Tampa Bay is just too good. They find ways to win. They got too big a cushion. The Yankees don't have the head-to-head with Tampa. I don't see the Yankees making up that ground over the final six weeks. I don't see Tampa yucking up that sort of lead. Getting the playoffs. That's the objective. I'm not celebrating if the Yankees are a wildcard team. Getting the playoffs. Because with the way the American League is set up this year, it is wide open. Yes, I respect Tampa. Yes, I respect Houston. Chicago is a talented team. But you don't have the Dodgers. You don't have the clear-cut, dominant, top-notch team that's a runaway freight train. Dodgers, even though the Giants have the record, everybody gets the sense that they're defending reigning World Series champs. And they added Scherzer and Trey Turner at the trade deadline. If you get in the playoffs in the American League, you have a chance to go to the World Series. I'll sign for that right now. That's the hope from a Yankee standpoint. It's good that I'm actually going to welcome Jackal on the show and things are in dire straits for the Yankees. So I might get him in good spirits. Maybe it's because the Red Sox are free-falling, as Tom Petty once said. Jackal, our good buddy, is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. So, although Sunday did not go according to plan for the Yankees, Anthony Rizzo has COVID. They can't sweep the Mariners. All in all, the Yankees have suckered us both back (laughs) into things, I believe. And it's nice that I can actually welcome Jacko to the show, and it's not Meltdown City. So what's up, buddy? How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Much better, much better, well, isn't much calmer. Nice, than- <laughs> by the way. Well, let's start here. Isn't it nice knowing that our mutual pal is the one ranting and raving and bitching about cheap ownership and sending the uh, 
the barrage of texts over the weekend. It's nice to be on the other end of this, Jacko. This is fantastic. It's excellent. I, I have a feeling we're not going to have any Bill from L.A. calls uh, on this podcast. Because, uh, yeah, Bill from L.A. is definitely out on the ledge. And, and he he's really to blame for this because, you know, he's the king of jinxes and reverse jinxes. And he sent out a rare tweet, uh, you know, about a month ago, I think it was, or maybe it was the beginning of this month. Well, no, it was in July, a couple of weeks ago about what a wonderful season it's been for him and how enjoyable everything was. And when you do stuff like that, you're just tempting the baseball gods. And he certainly well, I did. I think there are a couple of instances, by the way. He mentioned to the two of us yeah. that the Red Sox were going to go 18-0 against the Yankees. That he put one. that into the air. Right. That's one. The enjoyable Red Sox season. And I'll give you the third. I'm very fired up about the fact that the Yankees get lefty bats. Right. And he kind of gave us the subtweet of what are they doing? Why is JJ so giddy? Bah, bah, bah. Right. And I don't think the Red Sox have won a game since. So <laughs> I'm throwing right. that in there too. That's true. He's solely responsible for this collapse. And, and let's hope it continues to be a collapse. I don't want to uh, count my chickens before they're hatched. But yeah, they certainly have not played well. I think they're like... I saw the other day they were like uh, 10 and 14 in their last 24 games. And that was before this weekend, I believe, when they they lost three out of four, I think, to the Blue Jays, the surging Blue Jays. Uh, so, yeah, it's great. It's great for the kids to finally see a Red Sox collapse because it's been a while since they've been able to see one. So that's good to see. And, and the Yanks, uh, you know, semi-resurgent. They have the best record since the All-Star break I saw today. So, Things are definitely moving in the right direction on both fronts, both the Red Sox front and the Yankee front. So it's a good thing. Okay, you and I have both been very critical of Brian Cashman and of Aaron Boone. The trade deadline, though, Jacko, to me, it changed the entire feel of this team. Now, it's a major bummer that Rizzo's going to be out the next two weeks. Right. The guy, I know he's your personal favorite for more reasons than one, <laughs> right. but he's fit this Yankee team so perfectly. Contact, leadership, glove, what have you. So from a scale of Jacko 1 being completely out, 10 being completely back in, where are you from 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest in the 2021 New York Yankees? Well, amazingly and miraculously, I'm I'm like a good 8.5 I think I like back that. In, I think I'm right there too, bro. I mean, I'm I, right there I too. thought they were deader than dead. Just a lifeless team that made you know countless mistakes, going nowhere, guys playing out of position, all, all the litany of things that we've ranted about in the past. And to go out and get Rizzo and Gallo, you know, two left-handed bats, which they so desperately needed. And I mean, we we talked about this. How they could go into a season, I, I don't care what the computers say, without having any lefties in their lineup. At Yankee Stadium, which the whole history of the Yankees has been left-handed bats with a short right field porch. How you could do that, it's a dereliction of duty. And they rectified it. I mean, I've been as critical of Cashman as anybody else in the world, but he he did he righted the ship big time at the uh, at the All-Star break. I, I you know, everybody was going crazy about just getting Gallo. I didn't think that was enough. And then when he pulls Rizzo out of thin air, because I left work and every every indication I saw on the internet was that Rizzo was gonna go to the Red Sox. So I'm like, here we go. You know, Rizzo's a solid player. He's going to go to the Red Sox. I never saw anything tied to him, tying him to the Yankees. And then Cashman pulls him out of thin air. And, and they it got both those guys for free, basically. I mean, they gave up some prospects, but they preserved their top, I think, top 15 prospects who weren't involved in either deal. And Chicago and Texas are basically paying their salary, which makes Hal happy. He doesn't have to reach into the old wallet for any to pay any of their salary. And Rizzo has been, I mean... 
you know, when you get the comparisons to Joe DiMaggio in your debut, you know, his debut with the Yankees, what you've done as a Yankee in your first, you know, five games or whatever, it's obviously you're in good company. He's been incredible, better than advertised. So he's and been And I'm huge. throwing this out there right here, right now. Can they give Rizzo the extension immediately? Oh, I don't want to hear about Gleyber and his defense. Rizzo with that swing, leader, contact. And then when you see Voight back in first base right. today and he's like stumbling and bumbling <laughs> right. and it's a total shit show. Right. It, it makes you really appreciate what a smooth lefty first baseman brings to the team. Jacko, give him the contract. Four years, $80 million. Do it right now. Oh, I would do it in a millisecond. But, you know, that's not the way the modern day Yankees operate, unfortunately. And that's the thing. You know, you make a great point. His defense has really made all the difference in the world because you have a guy who's a competent first baseman there, you know, going back to the days of of Tino or, or Don Mattingly or great defensive first baseman, which the Yankees have lacked. Teixeira was OK, but not not in the caliber of, of a Tino or a Mattingly, certainly. And Rizzo. Oh, is, you didn't love to share at first base, really? I'm surprised he was, about that. He was okay. He was okay. He, I oh, think the contract influences you. Yeah, there a maybe. Bit. I think I that's. Don't know. You know what it is, Jacko? You had such high hopes and such high expectations. You thought you were getting Don Mattingly defense because it's pretty good. Yeah, he but was it's solid. Not Don Mattingly defense. I, I, I may be. I may be downgrading him more than I should. So I'll, I'll give Tex some props. Um, but yeah, but Rizzo's been huge defensively, and you know, for guys that they have defensively, you know, Glaber at shortstop is not not a wizard there. It saves him on, you know, Rizzo can get the bad throws that Voight couldn't. So, because you know, Voight is really a DH with his body and the way he is. I mean, the perfect lineup would be if they could ever get Stanton to play outfield on a regular basis. And you could put Voight at DH. I mean, they would have a deadly lineup. But, you know, they're they're deathly afraid to put Stanton in the in the field for any, any period of time. So, yeah, I, I would extend Rizzo. I would give him whatever he wanted, a blank check. He's definitely earned it. He show, he's shown he can play on the big stage. You know, this guy's won a World Series. He's played in a big market, and he's he's been as advertised in, in New York so far. I, I'd give him whatever he wanted. Easy to say. It's not you my know, money, but I'd do it anyway. Easier said than done. <laughs> right. I was thinking about this the other night. Odor has been such a low-key pickup for this team. How many big hits has he had? He's spunky. He's obviously a guy that everybody rallies around. And listen, that's one of those moves where the Yankees made it. He's hitting 180. He was a total stiff with the Rangers. I think since June Jekyll, he's hitting well over 290, 300, and has had like 10 zillion big hits for the Yankees. Yeah. So you need guys like that over the course of the year. Like, I'm in on, call me crazy on this. When everybody's back, I'd rather see Ruggie Odor in a lineup than Luke Voigt. Am I insane to say that? (laughs) Moderately, but not not completely. Uh, and the other thing is, you know, Rugi, as from a fan's perspective, and who knows, it could be bullshit. But as fans, we like it. Good clubhouse, the old prototypical good clubhouse guy. You know, he's always the first guy over the fence when there's a when there's a game winning home run or a game winning hit. He's always in the mix for everything. You know, he's not afraid to mix it up because of what he did to Batista years ago. So he seemed, you know, the players seem to like him. He's one of these little scrappy guys, you know, like the little scrappy middle infielder that's got all the handshakes for everybody. And he goes to every mound visit for some reason. When, when there's a mound visit, he's always there talking to the pitchers and trying to hype them up. So, yeah, he's and they, again, he's another guy because this is the new Yankees way of where we shop in the bargain basement. You know, they got him off the scrap heap. He was just outright released, I believe. And they picked him up for nothing. And and so anything he gives you is gravy. And he's been better than advertised as a fill-in. And, you know, I, I didn't love him playing a major role as a number three hitter. But, 
you know, now that, well, if we ever get beyond COVID and all the usual injuries and everything else and get a full lineup back, he's a good compliment to have and a guy that can fit in there. You know, he's, and like you say, he's had a lot of big hits and come through for them in big situations. So that's a rarity in recent Yankees history. So I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. I'm about to throw out something that I think is going to drive you to drink. But we were talking about this over the weekend. It doesn't take much. It's you and me both, especially this season and the way it's gone. I'm watching these games with Toronto and Boston over the weekend. I have the MLB package. And I'm legitimately conflicted on who I want to win because, yeah, I know the Red Sox got off to this great start. I know it's the Red Sox. I know we got a deal from Bill from Los Angeles and all his nonsense. There's a lot of uh, underlying factors that come into this. But just from a baseball standpoint, Jacko, I think the Blue Jays are better than Boston. The more and more I watch the Blue Jays, now that they got Barrios, that top four, I mean, I see Springer, yeah. Vladdy Jr., uh, Simeon, and Bichette, and I'm like, geez, their run differential is well over 100. The Red Sox are free-falling. I'm not so in love with the idea that the Blue Jays are winning three out of four this week. And I guess you want to catch the team that's ahead of you first. But the Blue Jays scare the crap out of me, dude. No, well, no, they they definitely they're good. They're young. Like you said, when they got Barrios, that d- totally improved their rotation. You know, Guerrero is incredible. Springer is battle tested. You know, World Series winner, the whole nine yards. He, you know, they that brings a veteran presence to them. Uh, Connecticut guy, but I, I can understand being conflicted and from a strategic standpoint as to who to root for. But the answer is always root against the Red Sox. As a as a Yankee fan, I live in Connecticut. You know, I, I'm right in the the line here between the Yankee land and Red Sox land. Yeah, you got that Mason Dixon. That's All my right friends, there. you know, are split. I got Red Sox friends, obviously Simmons and other guys I grew up with and hang out with here in Connecticut. I got Yankee friends. So we always talk shit with each other. But the answer is always root against the Red Sox. If the Red Sox were playing a team from North Korea, I'd probably buy a North Korea jersey. It's just deep-seated in me. I just can't stand the Red Sox. I never want them to do well. I never want them to be successful. And there's nothing that's going to change that. No No playoff scenario is going to change that. I'll worry about the Blue Jays when it's time to worry about the Blue Jays. But like you say, the Red Sox are in front of us, and they're the Red Sox. You should always root against them. Are you at the point where you're ready to wave the white flag still with the division? Or do you think that Tampa is gettable? I don't, personally. I think Tampa is going to run and hide. I think they're too good. They're too resourceful. They know how to win games. And you don't have head-to-head with them. I don't see the Yankees catching Tampa. Well, Are you still like holding out hope on that or not so much? Well, I'm just crazy enough to think it's a possibility because they have, I think they, I forget how many games they have left with them, but it's a division opponent. So they have a fair number of games left with the Rays. You know, they lost, just lost. A lot of Red Sox and Rays. The Yankees only got three left with Tampa. The final three games of the regular season. That's it. They have seven against the Red Sox, I think it is, right? And they have three against Tampa. Is that what it is? Yeah. So so it's fewer than I think six with Boston because they got that doubleheader. Right. Then they play Wednesday and then they have another series at Fenway in September. So six with Boston, seven with Toronto. A lot of games left with the Blue Jays. Only three with the Rays. Yeah. So I'd like to think the division is a possibility still. You know, if if Rizzo, you know, Rizzo, Rizzo getting COVID is a, is a big hit. Um, You know, you get Cole back, although he's, he's got the COVID too. You don't know what he's, you know, if he's going to require some time to get up to speed. Um, And like you say, the Rays, the Rays always do it with like, 
you know, a shoestring and a, and a nickel or something. They just put it all together and they, they shouldn't be successful on paper, but they do it every year. You know, they just lost glass now. Right. Who, who's got Tommy John. So maybe you think, well, that's going to hurt them, but nothing ever hurts them. You know, they trade away guys, they lose guys and they just seem to come back stronger. So that's a, that's a, I hate to say it because, you know, that's a good rival of the Yankees these year too, these few years too, with, you know, bean balls and everything else. But I hate, so I hate to say it, but that's a, that's a well-run organization, and they always seem to come up on top. So, yeah, three games. I thought it was more than that. So, if it's only three games, that that's probably a big ask for the division. But could they be the number one wild card? With, with certainly, certainly. Well, and a month ago, the idea of me being like dejected and disappointed about the Yankees making the postseason—I thought we were past that. I, in many ways, was mentally checked out on yeah, the twenty twenty-one we season. That's that's out now, Jacko. Right. They miss the playoffs and they miss it by a game or two. I'm going to be crushed. Now, it's not going to live up to what I thought this team was going to do regular right. season-wise going back to March. But to go on this run, to make the moves that they've made, if we're watching that dopey wildcard game in October and the Yankees aren't playing in it, I'm going to be really, really upset. Yeah, at this point I am too because they, they, they've gotten my hopes up foolishly. So they've pulled me back in, you know, I, of the Godfather 3 reference that everybody had about the Yankees, but it's true. I, I thought I was out and they totally pulled me back in. So yes, I will be bummed out if they don't make the playoffs. I, I have a little bit of a concern in the back of my head that like, I'm a little worried that if they make a run here and they get make some noise and get in the playoffs or maybe make some noise in the playoffs, does that get us a boon extension? God forbid and God help us. Well, I think the worst let, let me throw the worst case scenario at you. <laughs> I think the worst case scenario for the Yankees is one of the following. Either lose the wild card game to Simmons and the Red Sox, Boone gets the extension, or they lose in a division series to Tampa or Houston. And Boone gets the extension because they'll sell you on, oh, they fought, they got back into right. it, COVID, blah, 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 blah. Right. I do believe, Jacko, no, nothing is going to change Cashman's status. I think Cashman, no matter what, will be back. I don't think he's getting fired. I think he's Teflon. So Cashman's not going anywhere. And listen, with the deadline and with some of the moves that he's made, fine, I'll live with that. I'll accept that. Boone, on the other hand, to me, minimum has to get to the ALCS. And I'll take it a step further. I think he's got to go to the World Series in order to get that extension. I, I can't stand him. I think he's been a mediocre manager. Jacko, if he gets to the World Series this year, I think you and I, even as the Boone skeptics and critics that we are, we're going to have to say, all right, you got to keep him around for the next couple of years. I think you have to. I guess. Well, I mean, I, I don't think it really... If they make the World Series, bro, he's not going anywhere. Well, I don't you know, know what I know. I don't think he's going anywhere anyway, because if Cashman stays, I, he's not going to admit a mistake and get rid of Boone. And so Boone. you think if they lose, even if they lost a wild card game to the Red Sox, you think they'd hand them a three-year extension? Yeah. See, I'd lose my mind if they did that. I that would that, bother me to no end if that happens. I think they're going to do it. I mean, everything I read and everything I see is that Cashman loves Boone. That's like his buddy, and that's his boy. And, it, you know, he's not going to admit a mistake. And say, like, we shouldn't have hired this guy with no managerial experience on any level. He already hasn't been held accountable when they don't live up to preseason expectations where everybody thought they were going to run away with this division. And now they're just they're fighting for a second wild card. They're not even in the playoffs at the moment before we get too far ahead of ourselves. So so the guy's been a disappointment on every level. He took a, you know, a team that was one game away from the World Series against the team that was cheating. And he took the team and they've regressed and <laughs> regressed every year. Uh, so I don't know how you bring the guy back anyway, but I think they're going to bring him back. I, I don't even know that it has an impact making the playoffs or not, which is depressing. But I, I just that's the way I feel. Now I'm back to ranting and glass half full. We were doing so Isn't well. Isn't it amazing? Now we go back from <laughs> glass half full to glass half empty. I'll give you some glass half full, though, before we say goodbye. 
the American League. Look up and down the American League. The Astros are really good. The Astros are not nearly as good as they were a couple of years ago. Right. The White Sox, super talented, very inexperienced, whole lot of questions about how they're going to perform in October. Right. Tampa, not as good. Boston, they've regressed. Toronto's been good. But I look up and down the American League, Jacko, I don't see a Dodgers. You know no, what I mean, exactly. dude? Like, I think if you get in and you're playing your best baseball going into the playoffs, might be good enough to get you to World Series. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, that's the thing. I mean, they got a puncher's chance because you got you got Cole, right? Assuming Cole is healthy and at full strength and it comes back from COVID, uh, God willing, that, you know, you figure Cole gives you a shot, right? Because you got a competent starter to start a playoff series. If they get Severino back and you can get anything out of Severino, you know. How about four perfect innings in the minors I today? saw that. I like hearing double, about that. I, I know it's the minors. I know right. it's a rehab start, but that's super encouraging. This kid Gill they have really looks like he's something. He's been impressive. Let me tell you something. He's been impressive, and the kid they had oh. coming out of the bullpen the last few days Ridings. has been throwing smoke. Oh, the Long Island kid. Yeah. Fabulous. Unbelievable job. He's They've been great. So the future looks bright with them. Uh, Tyone, you know, he was pitcher of the month in July. You know, I was, I was ready to jump off a cliff with him a while ago, and he seems to have turned it around and been great. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you if God, knock on wood, if you get in to the playoffs, you got a puncher's chance there because, you know, they're, they got their lineup, and maybe they'll figure out a way to get clutch hits at some point. Maybe Rizzo will lead them, you know, to the clutch hit land. By and the way, Jacko, would he kill Judge to get a big hit? once in his life. I love the guy. I, I really do. He's likable. I, I I understand, you know, face of the franchise, all that nonsense. Judge never gets a big hit, dude. Never, never ever, ever. I was there Friday night. He strikes out, stand and bailed him out. Today, game on the line in the ninth inning. Pathetic. He, he, he He's a good player. I don't right. want to, like, rag on him and no. say that he sucks. In clutch situations, you don't want him up at the dish. I'm sorry, you don't. You know, it's, it's funny. Like, it always, Jeter... Jeter was so blessed by everything in his life. He wanted him up there. And he always no seemed doubt. to come up, come up at a big moment. And he was made for that moment. And he came through more often than not in huge moments. So it was just like everything he touched turned to gold. Judge comes up in big situations and he, he never does anything. Like, you know, a big thing for him is to get like a walk in those situations. Like you're happy he just didn't ground into a double play or strike out. But he just never... You know, I'm not, I'm not saying anything about his character or anything, but he just never seems to come through in the clutch for whatever reason, you know, like baseball gods again or karma or fate or whatever. But he just doesn't seem to have that magic that Jeter had, like this storybook Hollywood ending to everything. And Judge, even though he's from California, doesn't seem to have the Hollywood in him in that, in that capacity, you know. Well, Jacko, these are a lot more fun when our baseball team is alive and well, Hallelujah. as opposed to the other two <laughs> conversations we've had. Right. And I hope Bill from Los Angeles right now is enjoying vacation. That's I right. hope it's a fabulous, <laughs> fabulous vacation for the Simmons family. I really do. Absolutely. Nothing but the best for him except for baseball. So That's the idea. I like the sound of that. All right, Jacko. We will catch up, Sounds I'm good. sure, before we uh, end this regular season. So don't be a stranger. All, all right. right. Take care. Good talking to you. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
It's nice having Jacko on when things are actually going a lot better with the New York Yankees. So hopefully the next time we have him on, we're talking about a Yankee postseason appearance and maybe the Red Sox are sitting at home come October. And uh, Bill from Los Angeles can get all his focus on Cam Newton and Mac Jones and hopefully another achieving Patriot team. A kid could dream. What can I say? A kid could dream. Now, I'm excited about what we're going to do. And we could have done this in February, but it's fresh on the mind right now. I was brainstorming the idea. I thought it would be the perfect transition, all-encompassing to get us to where we need to be across the board. All four sports. We're waiting for our first football season here on New York, New York. We got through basketball and hockey with the postseason. We're going through our first baseball season as we speak. So what I've decided to do is I have put together a top 15 list of New York athletes. And I believe... Every team is represented on this list with the exception of one. So I really tried to spread the wealth. And my criteria for putting this list together, I need some sense of longevity. And if there's a tiebreaker, longevity is going to come into play. That's just fair as fair. New York athletes performing in a town for the last couple of years. We're going to be aware. We're going to be mindful of that. That's number one. Obviously, overall excellence. That's something that we have to take into account. I mean, you got to be really damn good at your job in order to be on this list. The other element that I am weighing sometimes more heavily than others, durability. Durability. Got to be able to play at least, you know, most of the time. So I know we have a few athletes on this list too may have some durability issues and may have some durability questions. And I'm sure that some of these answers I'm going to give you are going to surprise you. They might piss you off. You might be happy about it. The hockey guys are probably going to say, I don't give the hockey guys enough respect, but that's fine. So without further ado, we unveil the bottom tier of our list, of our grouping. Let's start it off. Number 15. We're going to start off with a member of the New York Jets right out of the gate. I'm giving you an offensive lineman who dominated in year one. I think he's going to be a beast moving forward. And, you know, I like to give the big fella a little bit of love. So Makai Becton, after what was a standout rookie year, monster on the offensive line. Can't put Zach Wilson there. I didn't want to put Quinn and Williams there, even though I could have. I just think to wow the way Mekhi Becton did in his first year deserves a little kudos. I wanted to get a jet on this list. Mekhi Becton, you're kicking off, baby. Number 15 on the JJ Top 15. Number 14. We're giving you a member of your beloved New York Islanders, Maddie Barzell. And to me, Barzell... Best player on the Islanders, a team that's been in the playoffs the last couple of years. He drives the offense since his rookie year. This is a guy who's giving you all sorts of offensive production. 23, getting better and better and better. Had a terrific postseason run. Now, some of you hockey folks are going to say that he's not nearly high enough on this list, but we're showing Matty Barzell a little bit of love. He comes in at number 14. Number 13. Now, this is where maybe my NBA bias 
is going to come into play because we're throwing R.J. Barrett on this list. Second year in the league, borderline all-star, a guy who to me is ascending more and more and more with each passing year. I'm buying a ton of stock in R.J. Barrett. I love the fighting him. I love the dogging him. I love the way he went at John Morant at the end of the year. And much like the Makai Becton pick, this to me is what you call a buy-low spot for R.J. Barrett. And I think he is only going to grow. Now, I know the Islander fans going to be pissed. I'm putting Barrett ahead of Matthew Barzell. But tough breaks. It's my list. And I'm buying low with Barrett at 13. Don't be surprised if he works his way into the top 10 when we do this list at some point next year. Number 12. Now, because of the recent state of affairs for the New York Mets, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised that I have Jeff McNeil number 12 on this list. But you have to consider what McNeil brought the team in 2019 and in 2020. McNeil was out of his mind, was an offensive machine. And yes, it's been a down 2021. Yes, he has seen that stock maybe fall. I can't lose sight of the last two years. Grinder, versatility. I'm not going to take those two years and throw them right down the tubes. So you're going to notice a common theme here with not only Jeff McNeil, but the next guy I'm going to unveil in the New York Top 15. Number 11. Number 11 is a guy that easily would have been a top 10, maybe even a top five guy over the last two years, and that's DJ LeMayu. And much like McNeil, you're going to look at DJ LeMayu's numbers throughout 2021, and you're going to say, JJ, they're underwhelming. They're not particularly good. The Yankees just gave DJ LeMayu this big contract, and so far he has not lived up to the expectation. 2019, batting title, MVP candidate. 2020, batting title, MVP candidate. How do I ignore that on a top 15 list? DJ is one of those guys that will hit. And it may come later in the year for the Yankees. Hopefully it will come for them in the postseason. But you're going to look back on this list, and I'm going to be vindicated, and I'm going to be validated for putting LeMayu there. He's going to be fine. And again, it must be nice to have the gaudy numbers in 19 and 20 and still have a spot in the big board top 15. So at number 11, it's my dude who's fallen on some hard times, the machine, DJ LeMayu. So that's the list, folks. 11 through 15. On Tuesday, we will have 6 through 10. And on Thursday, we will finish off this bad boy at 1 through 5. So we'll tweet these out. Our big board power rankings will be available. And let the debate begin. If you like what you heard, you know where to find us on a voicemail line. If you didn't like what you heard, if I'm not selling enough stock or buying enough stock in a particular guy, the floor is yours. The debate is open. Now, one note before we hit Jeff Money and say goodbye. I saw the Jeff fan is like so up in arms, or not all the Jeff fans, but some Jeff fans, about the hideous scrimmage in the green and white game that Zach Wilson had. I mean, the guy is coming in hot. He missed some time in camp. Let's let Zach Wilson play a couple of games before we're selling him down the river, okay? He's going to have pressure on him. There is no doubt. There is no getting around that. Rookie quarterback starting right out of the shoot. We'll be out there week one against the former Jet quarterback in Sam Darnold. 
I'm not one of these guys that goes nuts about preseason performance. Like, I'd love to tell you that I'm pounding my chest about Tua right now, lighting it up for the Dolphins, but like, it's about week one. It's about week two. It's about week 10. It's about week 12. It's the uh, lighting it up in preseason and training camp. It's, uh, I'm taking that with a grain of salt because I've heard from certain quarterbacks, oh, they look like garbage, but 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 they come out, they play great. Other guys look great, and then they come out in games that matter and they stink. So, not a great start for Wilson. You want him to get acclimated. You want him to have that learning curve by the time camp and preseason comes to a close. But it's going to be a year of growing pains and experiences for this young quarterback. And the key is he looks a lot better by the end of this year than he does at the beginning of this year. That's what matters to me. We're getting closer, folks. I don't know yet when I'm going to unveil the season picks. It is what? August the 8th, right about now? I would say for me, you'll have the season totals right around Labor Day weekend. Maybe that last week of August, first week of September. Maybe the September 2nd podcast, the third podcast, or maybe it's the fifth podcast. One of those two will have the over-unders because I wait for the entire preseason to wrap up. So until then, I'll be in the lab twisting and turning, my friends. Twisting and turning. All right, Jeff Money. Let's make it a winning Monday for everybody here in New York, New York land. What do you got for me, buddy? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicap of picks. It's going to be for Monday the 9th. I like one game. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Reds, minus the 155. It'll be Castillo versus Allen. Castillo is 3-0 and with a 2.37 ERA his last three. Allen versus Allen, who's 0-2 with a 14.05. And the Cincinnati Reds are on a nice five-game winning streak. So we're rolling with the Cincinnati Reds. Minus the win, 155. All right, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. I got no problem with that, Jeff Money. The Cincinnati Reds are playing some really good baseball. They're trying to chase down the San Diego Padres, believe it or not, for that second wild card in the National League. And the Indians are just a team that struggles to score. I I, I don't love laying 165 on the road. I'd probably play it on the run line so I could get it even money or get them at plus money. And I'll risk Cincinnati winning this game by more than a run and a half. But if I were playing the game, I'm with you. That's the move. That's the play. Fun show. Fellas, outstanding job. We're back Tuesday night late. To be honest, it's going to be a Wednesday morning because the Yankees are playing at 8 o'clock in Kansas City. So we'll probably be dropping a pod at around 1.32 in the morning. You know the deal. But enjoy your Monday. You never know what will come your way come Tuesday. JJ out. Be good, everybody. Be good, everybody.